Hello and welcome to another episode of the Annapurnaverse. I am your host, Alex, and joining me through this cinematic Garden of Eden is Billy. I feel like your intro just keeps getting more and more enthusiastic, metaphorical. I'm enjoying every second of it. Well, yeah, I'm like looking at the, the titles of the things that we're we're like covering and trying to oh, think I of a good way see, i see we had cacophony <laughs> last time we've got garden of, garden eden, of this eden time. this time mm-hmm, so, I when see. Get, so when we get to sausage party it'll be something along the lines of scrumptiousness uh, <laughs> uh, anyway <laughs> please save the listeners Today, we are going to be talking about not a film per se. <clears throat> what was that? Well, oh, yeah, we kind of didn't tell Simon the structure of this and that we introduced the guest after. No, no, I wasn't I wasn't taking issue with not being introduced. I was taking issue with not a film. You not saying being called a oh, film. Oh, oh, I'm very And I sorry. kind of agree, to be honest. Anyway... Well, so joining us today is our good friend from the little women in black thunderpants podcast callum cooper <laughs> <laughs> i mean i could try the accent but i think i might get really scottish enough um, I, don't know, I think i might get punched in the mouth quite a few times by quite a few people <laughs> yeah, <probably>. <laughs> <laughs> um anyway today we are going to be talking about David Byrne's American Utopia from 2020 or I think 2021 if you're in the UK um, it is a pro shot of the Broadway musical uh, directed by Spike Lee um, yeah so joining us to talk about it is and you've heard his voice unless uh, we've decided to cut it out um, is Simon hello hello there hi <laughs> <laughs> He's like, am I allowed to talk now? I thought I'd do one um, grudging and one enthusiastic. Yeah, that's fair enough. I, I, I get it. I get it. We're at that point. We're at that point. <laughs> Just um, in society. Absolutely. At yeah. that point. We are yeah. a society. <laughs> Which is interesting, uh, considering today's topic and subject and film. Thank you. <laughs> Correct. <laughs> so, um, American Utopia is uh, by David Byrne, who is the lead or was the lead singer of Talking Heads, and it brings together, uh, I suppose, a, a, a bit of a mix of some of his songs from over his his very expansive career, uh, and uh, the the it's kind of interjected with uh, little little monologues. Um, and I think that's the, probably the best way to set it up. Yeah, good job there. So, Simon, first time you saw this film, or if you saw the stage show before you saw the film, let us know. Picture the scene. It's 2020. We had just come out of lockdown one. We are slowly creeping towards lockdown two. And cinemas were on their knees, basically. And the festival was almost entirely virtual. 
And so, yeah, I was watching this. Uh, it was something I was already looking forward to because I was aware of the stage show. I'd not seen it. I had not listened to any of the recordings or anything like that. I've done so since many times. And the thing that struck me was just how jubilant it was. And like like you guys said, the whole thing is about where we are, like specifically where American, the Amer- the US is. I was going to say America or the Americans, but that doesn't really make sense. Uh, <laughs> but it kind of works as a treatise for humanity and kind of like, as David Byrne says before, well, while introducing Isimbra, like there's a whole, there was a whole movement pre-World War II, pre-Nazi Germany, which was trying to make sense of a world which didn't make sense. And this felt like a resurrection of that ideal of that movement watching this and you know there's a lot of context behind that you know talking heads made stop making sense in the 80s which is another banger another banger a perfect companion to this and just the one of the best concert films you'll ever see and then you have this which is like so as so many people pointed out could almost be called start making sense because <laughs> so much of it is like yeah like we live in a crazy world where the most illogical irrational things have happened and in like the biggest stages of world politics so what the hell's going on and what can we do about it and i was just watching this in my tiny flat on my bed and i just found myself thinking this is not this is just the film right now like nothing else matters and Mm -hmm. for well basically as soon as i finished watching that i got got changed got some shoes on left my flat and went out and just kind of enjoyed the world around me it genuinely left such a mark on me oh that's so beautiful i love i just love when like something really really resonates with you and you can just take it instantly and not even like you watch it a few times and it begins to resonate. It's like instantaneous. And that is exactly like what it describes to me yeah. what this film does to people. And the, yeah, same for me. The first time I saw it was um, London Film Festival. I saw the words David Byrne and I was like, yep. Yeah. <laughs> don't, <laughs> don't, I don't need to read anything else. Yep. Yeah, yep. Yeah, yeah. I grew up with my dad playing talking heads everywhere we went in the car. And I was always like listening to it. Like, what is this strange music? It doesn't sound like anything else. And I think I would like always make fun of it when he would play it because I was just like, this doesn't, this isn't, I don't know. What was, what were the kids listening to back in the days? <laughs> Christina Aguilera? I don't know. I don't know. Anyway, <laughs> it was just, I was not a busted gal. I was also not a McFly gal. Oh. I'm sorry. Oh, actually, you know what I was? I was I was the show tunes girl. So I was like, this oh, isn't okay, wicked. Yeah. This isn't Jason Robert Brown. Um and yeah, I feel like I, I I don't know. Oh, the reason I was excited about it then was because of um 20th Century Women. And obviously that film is infused with David Byrne. Um and I had kind of been loving them in my own way ever since uh, and shyly went to my dad and was like ah, yeah they're kind of cool talking heads are kind of cool um and then I was lucky enough when I moved here that I got to see it in the flesh <gasps> you did which was a real real treat for me but I did buy the D- the dvd of this film as well uh before I left the uk I think 
because I was like, I just need to have like this needs to be something that I have as an option at all times because I know it's on um some streaming services, but we all know we can't trust those streaming services. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it was one of those like life affirming things. I remember I actually saw it on a night in New York when I. I don't think I've told anybody this, uh, a night when I almost considered leaving New York and I was like, I'm kind of done here. I'd been here for about a month, I think. And I was like, I don't think I can do this. Um, and I think it was like some of the last money that we had. And I was like, yeah, I'll just go see American Utopia. And then I'm, I'm out. <laughs> Peace out. New York has been a real month. And then I was like, I came out of it afterwards and I was like, I can never leave the city. Like as long as I am here, like I'm going to fight to stay here. Um, and I think that that is what David Byrne does in his work is pushes people to, to feel like life is not a burden, which I feel like a lot of the time it can feel that way. And now Alex, please share with us your first viewing and your first initial thoughts. Oh God, I can't bear this. <laughs> My first Me and Simon was, are terrified. Um, again, as usual. Um just prior to the start of this uh, recording. Um, and hearing the both of you talk about it um, makes me like uh, disappointed. <laughs> I think maybe it's the word. Okay. No, I don't know. I... Okay, so I think the bottom line is I kind of wish... I'd have seen it then rather than now. Sure. I guess you've heard like so much about it since then. Not even that. Like, I feel like (laughs) in October, 2020, all hope was gone, but it feels like even now, like it's just, it's like a different level. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, and this film is like so much about togetherness. And I mean, even, um, the first thing he says is like, "Thank you all for for coming from your homes." Uh, you, like it is. I love about, that so much. Be you know, being together, and I feel like having that then would have been so special. And obviously, Simon, the way you describe it is is that it was, and I feel like it was so impactful to so many people in that space and time that the fact that I've just watched it now and I don't have that context didn't necessarily resonate with me specifically i think some context as well is that until that because i did cover um london film festival um in 2020 it was my first ever official film festival i will always be thankful for the fact that it was virtual so i could do it all from home um i absolutely adored it but it's a very overwhelming experience as it is oh yeah um (laughs) so I didn't get round to watching American Utopia um, during that time, which again, like I said, I wish I had. Um, But on top of that, in more context, is that (laughs) until then, I actually didn't even know who David Byrne was. I I, I was never brought up on talking heads. My my mum was more, uh, I I was more on the queen side of things, I think. Um, Mm -hmm. And like, um I'm I'm trying to think of other music that my parents listened to that, that Pet Shop Boys was a big one mm-hmm. for me. Um from like my my dad. Um 
but yeah, I, I never talking heads was never a thing. I actually, funnily enough, just before this podcast recording, asked my mum if she knew who David Byrne was, and she just went, "Who?" <laughs> um, Love that. And then I was like, "He's the you know the lead singer of Talking Heads," and then she was like, "Ah, okay, yeah, maybe." But but that's kind of like a, an example of. I feel like Billy, you were saying about how you know you listened to it because your dad was listening to it, and I feel yeah. like those types of bands are the bands that you pick up because your parents listen to that music and they kind of pass it on. And I never had that. So I only really I only really knew one song in the entire thing. There are things about this that are incredibly impressive and um, I think tra- almost transcend what a Broadway musical performance, whatever, can be. Um, but I'm, I'm, I am sure we will get onto that later. Um, and I did kind of find myself going, da da da, da you know, like, oh, yeah, yeah, da dee, da dee, da like, kind of, you just can't help it. <laughs> well, yeah, this is so that, yeah, so it is, I, I, it is very infectious. And although I was kind of very, like, curmudgeon about the entire thing i still had this very strange feeling once it finished like yeah i think that that's feeling like you just kind of can't help it i have no connection to this man i have no connection to anything that he's ever done in his life but i somehow still feel like i've uh, it's it has fulfilled something within me well, then I feel like it did its job for you. And I feel like maybe, I think it is like a very overwhelming experience the first time. Like, I remember the first time I watched it, I was just like dancing and singing along at every corner that I almost didn't even have a chance to take it. One of my favorite things about it is the fact that it showed the audience so much and especially like the front row, they were absolutely jamming their heads off. Like, <laughs> I just want to like say, I am so happy for people like that who seem to get, that much joy out of a thing like this like i feel like that is so special and so wonderful yeah um, and it almost makes me a little bit jealous that mm-hmm. i can't also draw the same amount of joy from it that they do or that you guys do um but yeah still fun to just see the people on the front row just going just like bobbing along and just jamming and kind of dancing as awkwardly as david byrne does throughout the whole thing yeah i love the audience inclusion especially like just to jump right to the end when he's like going through the audience and it's like that overwhelming feeling of when like a production finishes and you can just see like the immeasurable joy on everybody's face and they like don't know what to do with their joy it's like in every part of their body and i think that that is like what he brings to the table and even for you alex who maybe didn't love it as much as me and simon did like it still resonated with you to that And I think that that's a testimony to Spike Lee's direction, maybe, of like capturing that energy so well Mm. and passing that on to you as like an audience member. There's so much to like, even, I don't even know where to begin. Simon, say something that you love. (laughs) (laughs) Just say some words, any words. I could just make a a Dada's poem up on the spot. (laughs) Yes. Um, yeah, I, I totally get that. And I think what Spike Lee does so well with this filming of it is that, like, I think the, the, there is, a, you know, a way around, I think Jonathan Dem, Demi does the same thing in Stop Making Sense of kind of merging 
the performance in front of an audience and, and, and with filmed a film performance just for the cameras. Mm-hmm. Like there's that, I'm sure it's a common thing anyway, when filming performances anyway, but what they, what they managed to get so well is just like when it becomes like Spike, a Spike Lee joint, it becomes mm-hmm. like this really, like he finds the angles and he finds the placements in the choreography and everything else just to make it just feel even more cinematic. Like it could have just been a cool, we're going to put a camera in front of the stage, everyone do their thing. But you get every single bit of that stage work. You get all of the set, like the set. Oh my God. Just thinking about that. Like all all lack thereof. Well, exactly. Mm -hmm. But it's, you know, in having nothing, it has, it tells you everything. It's this whole, like, there are no fixed instruments. Like, you know, there's no drum set. There's no, there are no amps on the stage or anything like that. Like everything is portable. Everything goes with the artist. They are allowed to kind of completely move and perform. And it just ties so in, ties in so well with the whole idea of connection and engagement. And when you do, and that only do eventually because it's not an immediate this is a Broadway stage. Like it, you come to that when it does, when that does come and when that audience does appear, like they are so, like you know, say they're so rapturous. It's almost like a congregation. Like it's almost people standing up in like in, in communion. Yeah. Yeah. It does feel spiritual at some points. I feel. I say, was that something that came through when you saw it in person, Billy? Oh yeah. It's like, it's special. Like, watching it on screen but to be in the room especially going through like kind of what I was experiencing at the time like it's just especially when it got to burning down the house like people could not control like that was the point when everybody stood up everyone was dancing like everyone was singing along with him like it was an invitation to kind of express that feeling whereas like obviously being in the theater you do have to kind of be respectful and but there's no exactly what you're saying Alex that you can see that people can't control it like whether they want to or not like it's just there is like a tangible energy in the room where it's like it's okay to do those things here and no it's not like a announcement at the beginning that's like you can stand up and sing and dance like it's just like a we have to like it's a like a yeah if I don't know I'm always cautious to equate things to like spirituality and and things like that but it does kind of feel like that in a way and yeah honestly like I think at that point I needed that experience to kind of go through what I was going through it's interesting that like so to um like in the uh the Elvis film just Mm -hmm. recently where there's like the whole thing of like when he sung people just were essentially like uncontrollably like just yeah you know can't control and and i was like okay so this is kind of probably exaggerated for the movie but like actually seeing that on this with real life people actually doing that it was kind of like okay yeah so maybe some some things do have that effect say it's it's a it's a magic that he manages to wield and like it's not like this and i think having that context of the of of the message that he's trying to impart in this show 
but d- being done so with a back catalogue, which is so recognisable clearly to people who you know are, are fans of it. But you know, there are still there are still hits in there. Mm-hmm. Like that is that is so powerful. I think the thing that David Byrne has done a lot in his career is kind of be someone who is aware of his privilege as a as a white man. I think he kind of makes that point anyway when yeah. he's talking about using the Janelle Monae song when he's saying like, mm-hmm. you know, I, I wrote to her and say, can a white man of a certain age do this? And I think he, I think he's so aware. I think sometimes he might be too aware in some, in some of the things he does. Um, but, and I don't mean that in like any kind of like insult or, you know, anything like that. Just, he just seems like someone who is even as an artist, just kind of a little bit uncomfortable in his own skin. And, but then I think with what he's been doing throughout his career is just kind of wanting to champion voices and sounds and and music from cultures that aren't just, you know, almost the, the Scottish side of things like the Celtic white, let's be honest, like orthodoxy of what you get in certainly like mainstream America and things like that, or at least he did back in the 60s, 70s, 80s when he was at his peak in talking heads and whatnot and so yeah like he's always been seeking out those different voices and those different sounds and like when you have that not only presented to a crowd which is already just you know beloved so loving of that um and and, and at a time when people just so desperately need contact and 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 that human and that humanity uh but also with an entourage and a, a band that reflect that um that multitude Mm. and 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 that and that career as well i think it's so just it's so human i I can't think of any other word for it yeah and i think that that is kind of aided by the way that it looks visually as there's no kind of like elaborate costume or elaborate set or you know it kind of take and he says it multiple times where he's like if you bring this down to like the bare bones it's like it would just be me and you and like yeah all of these things and I think that it's what I love about him and his work in general and um people who love him like Mike Mills and Miranda July who are like friends of his and also influenced by his work love people and also love living and kind of want you to celebrate that along with them And I think that I feel like a lot of artists like really want to achieve that, but few can do it in the way that he does. And I don't know what it is. It's like exactly what you said is like magic. Like, I don't know what it is about him where it's like, how is he doing? It's kind of like you want to figure it out for yourself because you want to be able to do it yourself. But it's like. Totally. Yeah. To, To steal a phrase from a popular TV show, like there's all this beauty and there's all this horror in the world as well, but he chooses to see the beauty. Like, mm-hmm. and like, he is fully aware of the hardship and like, God knows like in this film, it doesn't shy away from the darker side of America, certainly and the darker side of humanity. Mm-hmm. Like you have, and that is where like the Spike Lee involvement does come into play. And it's like that, like it comes over rather than just kind of being the hand on the tiller. And like that in itself is just like it's so powerful because because he's someone who is so like lo- lo- 
life loving and so people loving and you know believes in people clearly but then having to kind of acknowledge that okay we still have a long way to go before you know humanity can realize its potential and you know looking at the the grim realities of it i feel like that's what makes it so much more impactful is when he's just like okay yeah we need to take a moment and actually understand that we are not there yet because i was wondering about the title because like i was thinking there's a it could be ironic like a lot of people could make that whole like american utopia what like an oxymoron kind of thing or mm-hmm. but i do genuinely like i think throughout david burns career and like you know looking through his back catalogue and all the projects he's done like i don't ever think that he's doing any of this with any kind of snark or a level of irony which is designed to be um no yeah like a level is designed to be kind of pessimistic or anything like that like i'm sure he does look at it with a with more than a bit of a sense of humor but it's always it always feels optimistic i think he addressed it when i was there i can't remember exactly what he said i don't want to like put words in his mouth so but i feel like he addressed it when he was there about talking about what it meant um but also there's something about the theater in general like when you walk in the i know he speaks about it in the filmed version but there was always people there to register people to vote um and yeah. we went in october 2021 so that had been ha- like that's something that they still do and when you walk in like the curtain on the on the stages is the one that's at the beginning of this film. Like it's that draw hand drawn thing right, that feels, yeah. you know, so that's like, that's the curtain and that's, those are kind of like drawn everywhere. And he's got, I feel like it's like stepping it. I feel like it's more of like a visualization and the songs kind of correlate with what he imagines like a utopic America looks like of like, yeah if we could achieve this and not in like a way that's kind of like, Oh, I know the answer to everything. And if we did it my (laughs) way, then it would be, I feel like it's like a, you know, what if we just had like some kind of love and humanity here? I don't know. I feel like I really wish I could remember exactly what he said, but I was probably crying too much at that point. (laughs) I was just like, what? Yeah, no, I don't know. I think there's something, um, I don't know. I, seeing it this way as well, like with Spike Lee's lens on it, um, I think Spike Lee loves people as much as David Byrne does, and I feel like this was couldn't have been more perfect of a pairing. Yeah, between the two of them. Oh yeah, like they are such both like humanist artists and and creators, and yeah, it is a match made in heaven, a hundred percent. I think he's also like inviting people because there's the bit obviously where they have um, Colin Kaepernick's image projected yes. on the back. Was that something that happened? Like, I was curious about that. Was that something that happened in in the show as well, or is that something that was imposed in the film? I I can't say for sure, so I won't say at all. I don't remember exactly. Okay. Um, it feels like it it would have been, but it might have been. I don't know. Because it, it wasn't of the time like Kaepernick's thing happened ages ago, like twenty, so it wouldn't it wouldn't have been out of place being there because it, it's not like he interchanges it for what's current. Of course, yeah. 
Um, but I really love that. Like the line after that is like, um, how are you not my brother? How are you not like me? Yeah. Uh, and obviously I'm not under any illusion that any like people who really need to hear that are at this production. Um, but it's kind of like a calling people to, to question maybe the values of American of America of like, Oh, we love football and we care about this, but like, you look at him and you think that you're not connected. And I think he does that throughout with like a lot of different things, but yeah, there's always, there's always issues with, with media like this of like who's seeing it versus who needs to see it. That is a very good point. I feel like a prime example of that would be one that you guys covered a while ago in terms of films, um, Vice. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> like but yeah. well that felt more like a film being made for the audience that was going to see it rather than <laughs> because that was so smug and knowing and like ha 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 aren't we so smart compared to those lot that aren't yeah and i think that that's what david Byrne does really well is that he does not exactly what he said like nothing that he does is with arrogance in the air and so this is much more of like a hue like a humble approach to to that conversation of like, he constantly says throughout, like, I can do better. Um, there's a great line, which I love when he's like, unfortunately I am what I am. <laughs> yes. I was going to mention that as well. I love, I love that, that so much. And that's like a kind of acknowledgement that he can, he brings it down to a level of like, <laughs> I don't want to dig in the heels of Adam McKay again, but isn't like, <laughs> on that level of like, oh, I'm so intelligent because I understand this. <laughs> Whereas David Byrne kind of has like the humble approach to it that I feel like would connect with people, even people who are, he's not, who are not coming to the show because they don't spend a lot of time in New York. And that's not like a, oh, you know, New York is incredibly left and it isn't like it's part of America. It's part of the problem. It just means like New York's a very expensive state to exist in and I think it's yeah. a privilege to be able to see this, which is kind of Spike Lee reaching out a hand and being like, I've made it more accessible for you. Like it's online now, like you can see it too. And say, I'm curious because I, I, for my, to my shame, I haven't actually seen a lot of the the production side of things. How, how far into it was Spike Lee involved? Uh, what do you mean? Like with the, like filming? Uh, yeah, yeah. When when did it become like a we're going to film this and it's going to be Spike Lee filming I it? I think it was twenty. He'd seen it like twenty times, right? Okay, and I think he was like really like I think David Byrne wasn't too sure, or there was like something where it like it took a while, and then I think that it was going to happen, and then maybe COVID happened, and it couldn't, and then it happened when they could kind of come back. It was announced in June 2020 that a version of it had been filmed, so I assume it was before COVID. Must have been then, yeah. Because, well, no, it yeah, wasn't, that's a because very... he says thank you for leaving your homes. Well, I might just say that anyway. I'm I'm it might, it think... might be part of his spiel, yeah. Maybe he um, did say that one. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, it just says here. I mean, it's Wikipedia, so, you know. But it says in June 2020 it was announced that Spike Lee had already directed um, a filmed version. Oh, wow. Then, yeah, maybe maybe it was just on the cusp of happening, which makes this so much more, like, painful in a way. 
Oh, 100%. Yeah. It must have been. Yeah, it must have been. Because if it was in festivals by October 2020, then it must have at least taken a year to get to that point. Well, it closed in February, didn't it? Because of uh, COVID. The old vid. Yeah. The old vid. So it would have been somewhere between the October and the February that they'll have filmed it. That's incredible. It feels like it knows. I don't know. Like there's an air about it. It's like that knows of what we experienced with COVID. I don't know. I'm trying to find if there's like a. a well, it has to. It has to have been. It has to have been that way because he wouldn't have been able to film, edit, distribute in eight months. Like. I reckon it was the end of 2019. But yeah, I remember there was a whole thing of like Spike Lee had seen it like over 20 times and was like, right, I, need to, okay. I need to film this. And um, yeah, I don't think it could really belong to anybody else. I just think there's something about Spike Lee's films that really kind of encapsulate everything that David Byrne captures in this production. Oh yeah, 100%. Like I think he he's just he just gets to the meat of it so well like he 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 is also a director who is very you know he he loves his he loves making a film look as good as it can and i think when you have something which is already just so pared down to like the performers and this weird kind of permeable like this fluid almost stage of like it's it's th- there is a curtain there but it's not a curtain it's something which can be moved through and in and out of and it you know it's something which plays a part in so much of the performance like it's it's as much of it's as much a part as david byrne and his band and yeah when you've got that to work with like a director like spike lee must be rubbing his hands with glee going oh yeah i've got so much to work with here like there's nothing like when you look at say like the the filmed versions of like hamilton for instance as like another broadway thing um like there is only so much you can work with there because you've got the set you've got all of this elaborate setup and it's just like that must be such a headache in comparison when you've got something like this, which is like, oh yeah, I can find any and every angle. Like, I wouldn't be surprised if there's like hours and hours of B-roll from this. Just like, oh yeah, we can we can get everything and it'll still look great. Yeah, I'm so curious to know if there was like another cut or like how many nights they filmed it over. Whether it, I assume it was all done in one night, but like. I assume the stuff that was filmed, like of the stage, would have been done without an audience there, right? Oh yeah, I don't think yeah. so. <laughs> I don't know. Um, like it's really, yeah, it no, feels it like been, because obviously they're not going to like have a paying audience, have a, just a camera <laughs> on stage. No, but like, I don't think I don't think, he, I don't think that it is because you can see on the side they've got the long lenses and that would capture it enough. I don't think they're ever like on the. Sp- on the stage because you oh, think about it like they, they film stuff like somebody was on stage with them i think there are points where the like you can see the transitions in there somewhere where you do get like someone walking around the stage with the choreography happening i definitely I mean, maybe. think there will have been stuff filmed like oh yeah, yeah maybe oh, yeah, some like definitely. pick up it's 
it yeah. just feels really complete like I couldn't imagine it taking I don't like I'm, I look at it and I'm like oh this would have taken ages but then I look at it as well and I'm like no this looks like a one night like think, yeah. but it couldn't have been with that much artistry I don't know so I no, think that's... I think so go on. I think you're right. I think you're. I think it definitely was a one night thing. It, I mean, it has to be because if it isn't, then you don't capture the magic. Yeah, so I'm so confused. I think. Oh. I think that's. I think that's the wonder of it is that, like, so many when you when you have these things filmed, like the sole intention is to capture what it was about going to see that show that made it such a hit. And I think, like, again, there are so many different filmed versions of musicals of stand-up sets or whatever you know of performances that just are flat and they're so like yeah this is this is the thing this is this is for two and a half hours or whatever and you're going to sit through oh here's the song here's the acting here's the next song and it's just like I, know, I feel like this opinion is appointed at, appointed at a very specific thing simon <laughs> <laughs> no no I mean, it's across multiple things like I think it is very hard to like, I think, right. So the way I, um, see, cause I just find it incredible how you can, I mean, it, it, you've got to have a lot of gumption and gall and like, what, I mean, I'm trying to think of the word. (laughs) Like, (laughs) right. Yeah, yeah like to film something that is meant to be experienced in person and on the stage and then to think like oh okay this will be something that people will want to watch at home on a tv screen um and i think you're right simon i think there's a lot of um that there's probably a lot of pro shots that don't come close to what this achieves but um the I, I suppose the idea of a pro shot is that you are meant to have the best scene in the house. Well, exactly. And in this, it feels like, well, I'd say with this, it doesn't have that intention. I think what it's trying to do is, I think Spike Lee and David Byrne have come together and gone, okay, what is this about? And, you know, you have Byrne saying these things outright about, you know, this is what this is about. This is what I was thinking about. I was thinking about the human brain and connections and isolation and humanity and everything else. And then he just had Spike Lee going, okay, cool. So we're going to make something which evokes those feelings. Like you could very easily, like I said at the start of this, like you could very easily have had someone like two long cat, two long lenses on either side of the stage and one sitting up in like the dress circle and the camera. And then that could have been it. And like, you know, like you said, Alex, so many performance recordings are like that and yeah they and and they wanted to make something which just got to the heart of it and just went okay yeah we need like for in order for a show about connection to resonate with an audience that aren't going to be in the seats in the theater then you need to you need to be able to make a film that can do that i think that is like from that point, the film is a resounding success. Like I think it gets that perfectly. And I think there's it's just astonishing that someone like David Byrne can make two concept films, both of which are just like 
changing the game really in terms of like what these things can be because like, I talked about it a little bit but I think to go back to stop making sense and I think you know this is something that stands on its own and I think that's great you know it needs to it needs to succeed on its own merit but it works as well as a reflection and a refraction of stop making sense like you have the solo performer being being joined by and evolved with a growing band kind of thing like that same thing happens in stop making sense it starts off with him on his own singing psycho killer and then it gets bigger and bigger and bigger like you have like the whole band you have backing singers you have this that and the other like so much going on by the end of it and then but it in that it feels like a deliberate attempt to just kind of be like this is the 1980s everything needs to be bigger and like making a whole statement about we need more 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 and then in this you have okay like we're telling that same <clears throat> we're using those same things we're we're going to that same process and that same journey but the whole point is not we need more we need more we need more it's look at what we could be like if we just made those connections and we're not afraid to expand what we already are comfortable with and it's just like it's so good holy moly it is it's actually like almost difficult to articulate how good <laughs> yeah. it is isn't it spicy question oh okay do you think it would have had the same impact sans covid sans I... lockdown <laughs> i think i think the... yes for the people <laughs> who not to suggest that it wouldn't have still like been good but I'm just saying like the message it has. And like you said, Billy, before about how it's kind of very um, like strange and weird how this thing that is so very much about connection and about like yeah. us as humans came out when it came out and the circumstances that it came out in and like how it, like you said, it kind of knew in a way. Yeah, I reckon but, for me, my opinion on that is it would have done the same thing for the people who wanted to feel that because I feel like connection is like a an ongoing thing in people's lives regardless of COVID that just kind of happened to amplify it and kind of to, because I guess you you need to ask like how well did this film do outside of people like us I don't know because I don't know who else really saw it because I don't have that information to hand because mm. it's not like a box office thing um I feel like it's the kind of thing that will meet people if they should they need it and, it, and it's there if they if they want it I think it hits harder because people had spent six seven months in their house and were like please anyone like <laughs> is yeah. anyone that i don't know yeah no i agree i think so the the album on which the sh the show was based and the tour on which the show was based came out in 2018 so we're talking a year in, into trump's administration proper at that point and so yeah there's a lot going on there and like you you can hear it in the songs that come from the album so like 
everybody's coming to my house, like here, the song that the show opens with. And like every day is a miracle, that kind of thing. Like there is so much in there, which is about, you know, it's a, it's a direct response to the things that were happening in the world, you know, with increasing like climate anxiety, with the political landscape shifting ever more to the right, that kind of thing. And so I think on that front, it would have been considered a success. But yeah, I I don't know if it would have certainly been something that stuck with me as deeply and profoundly if it wasn't for the lack of contact for the last, for the previous six months or whatever it was at that point. Um, and yeah, I it was something which, yeah, like I said, I mean, in my... It, like so much of me watching it was and so much of my reaction to it and so much of why I love it now is rooted in the context in which I watched it. So I wouldn't be surprised if it's the same for a lot of other people, but I think it would also have been a success otherwise. I'll tell you something that kind of freaks me out though is um the relationship between this and Trump. Mm, uh yeah. and we were if we saw this in October, July, uh, August, September, we were four months deep into Trump's execution spree at this point, just on a personal note. Uh, And he had been going through them at an alarming rate at that point. Um, And I think with it having so much context for the time, because obviously, Ahmad, Brianna, and George's faces were added after they weren't part of the song. Yeah. Um, that's how I guess we know that it wasn't made uh, ahead of those things. Um, I feel like, do we know if George Floyd would still be alive if COVID hadn't happened? Do you, do you know what I mean? Like, these are all things that are very much kind of like, questions to ask and I think it kind of shows the openness of this and also the sadness in this is that it's it's relevant no matter what time of year you're kind of yeah looking at it because sure you had Ahmad, Brianna and George but you had all of these people before them whose names they did sing and whose families kind of were within the production and like I don't know I feel like it's an unfortunate ongoing ever like evolution of of things I think I kind of agree with you Simon but I think it also depends on who you are where you are in your life yeah uh, definitely. How, how deep its roots would go all of that to say if Trump was going to do what he was going to do anyway <laughs> for me at that point um yeah I don't know I think it just made me I, I don't want to say angry but that song is definitely like there's a change in or a shift in tone I don't know. I don't know. A lot, a lot in, to kind of regulate on that one. Yeah, and say I think because in the in the sequence of the show that comes right before one fine day, right? So yeah, and I think that is a really good and like a, a relevant placement. I think you have the yeah you have the anger you have the this this can't go on kind of thing 
And then you have this wonderful, like really beautiful um, song and this kind of call to arms, I guess, for for everyone of this kind of like, it doesn't have to go on. Like we can make something better. I think... Like I, I think this is again testament to David Byrne's own kind of temperament and his sense as a creator that he can still see the hope. Like again, no, he said it before, but say it again. Like he, even in the midst of like just the darkest hour in terms of certainly in terms of American politics in the twenty first century, um. And then, yeah, with it, with the context of everything that happened since, and yeah, with those, with that never-ending list, and you know, like the, like this, like they say at the end, like the text overlay at the end says, like way too many to count. Like, despite all of that, to still kind of want to be like, we can, we can do better, and we could, and we might be able to, like. I mean, it's two years now since that film's come out and things have certainly not gotten better. Well, again, your opinion may vary depending on your predilection in terms of your leaning. Um, but I just... I don't know what it is. Yeah, I I totally understand like the, the trepidation and the fear and anger and everything else. And I think this performance in this film is saying it's okay to feel that because that's part of what happens when you do become more empathetic when you do create more connections is that you're going to have the pain that comes with that but that is a pain that doesn't always need to be there yeah i also wonder because of like i know we talk, we've spoken about like the optimism of like he still finds a way to kind of, you know, bring to light the the positive. I think it's also an acknowledgement of he knows as an artist, his point is to respond to the dark. And this kind of went on and was performed during Trump's uh time in office and it went to London as well I think I remember my dad saw it did it. yeah um and ended this year like closed earlier this year and so whether that was like a chapter of like okay the chapter this was made for is closed um because it stayed on longer than it you know it stayed beyond beyond Trump um but I don't know if that was like a you know we have the film version of this now we've got is out there in the world. It's time to make art for the next chapter. Uh, I, I'm always like curious as to why like shows close because obviously, the, of course, there's the money aspect of it. Mm. I always want to know if it was like a because I remember. Um, so there was a point in earlier this year, I think, or end of last year, uh, the a lot of the crew had gotten COVID. And David Byrne continued performing it every night, but he changed it so that he could do it by himself. Right. Um, So there was like a version of it called American Utopia Unchained. And he had kind of like changed it to be able to do it alone. And so it's kind of like, 
the production kind of exists as like this persistence of like, no, no matter how much like is thrown at us as like a production, like we will keep providing this service almost to our guests who are coming. Like we will send them home with optimism. It's like a, an artist's response to that kind of thing is like, we'll, we'll make this, we'll perform this and, and yeah. this will be what we leave behind for this, this time. Well, there we have it. I mean, is there anything else either of you would like to, to say? Yeah, one more thing. <laughs> but Simon can go first because mine um, isn't positive. Okay. So I was going to, I was going to end on a positive, I think just to kind okay. of, to summarize. So, um, at least my thoughts. I think that this film is a masterpiece, and I think it's David Byrne's masterpiece. I think it's something which has it's it's the culmination and combination of all of his life's work. And I think it's so beautiful that like what could have been very self-aggrandizing and what could have been very kind of like, you know, ah, oh, look at my career, look how great I am, kind of thing. I mean, he's not that artist anyway, but you know, in any uh, in any other in any other hands, it could have been that. But he still wanted yeah. to make something which was like, cool. This is something about human human condition and human connection, and yeah, it's just like to to recontextualize your life's work into something entirely new and hopeful is just just wonderful. Okie cokey cokey. Um, <laughs> what a wonderful way to end things. Before we go, Simon, um, we like to ask you, uh, our new guests at least, uh, what other Annapurna films they're a fan of? Oh, okay. So I'm a really big fan of Sausage Party. <laughs> hell yeah. <laughs> no, no, that film is just, what the hell is that? Um... <laughs> <laughs> so in terms of Annapurna films I think I've got a love for Missing Link oh yeah it's a nice one yes nobody ever mentions that no enough. one ever says Missing Link actually that's very true happy for that Simon yeah very happy. excellent and I'll tell you one that really like, I was very nearly um, gonna put down as one to one to ask to do was the Ballad of Buster Scruggs Oh, we've got a lot of people queuing up for that one, I think. Oh, right. But it's say, a fan favourite. Maybe, maybe we get a person for each separate story within the film. Okay, if you do that, then I will take the Tom Waits bit. Because that in itself is just so beautifully done. Like, that, that is a wonderful film in itself. Um, any others? Um, I know you're trying to get me to say 20th century women or joy. Uh... <laughs> I mean, look, they have a talking head song in 20th century women. So okay. <laughs> you're just lying to yourself if you don't say <laughs> Well, the one I was going to say was Sorry to Bother You. Um... I really, really enjoyed that film. And uh, yeah, again, another film festival one. Uh, got to see that being... Uh, well, they had a Q&A with Boots Riley afterwards and literally every other question was, what the hell was that? And <laughs> he was just like, but he was just sitting there like beaming with pride and just uh. like very happy to take on all these like, um, so I, I didn't really quite quite get what you were trying to say, like all these like incredibly like 
pasty goddamn academics who are like, yeah, I'm just watching a film and uh, I didn't see anyone who represented me except for the bad guy and that kind of thing. Um, <laughs> but it was just, I was just sitting there watching it like, this is great. <laughs> um, and just having a really good old time. And then, yeah, it's just like the wildest film I think anyone will have the pleasure of seeing. Like, it's funny, it's definitely odd, but yeah, the message behind it, man, so good. And we had your wonderful co-host over here for that one. <laughs> yes, uh, thank you very much, Simon, for joining us. It's been a pleasure. It's been, honestly, thank you so much for having me. Of no, course, of course. Thank you, and thank um, you for talking about it so lovingly, so that I didn't okay. have to listen to Alec. No, honestly, it was an absolute pleasure. Wow. <laughs> I, I was happy to just sit back, sit back on this one. I won't lie. <laughs> It was very nice to hear you both talking about it. Uh, so, before we go, Simon, uh, there's one more thing. You have to speak the immortal words. And we take this very seriously. Okay. And you will so, be ranked. The outro of the episode will be, you, will be you saying, see you across the Annapurnaverse. You say that like I've never heard an episode. I'm just I was ready sure. to. I was ready to go. All right, okay. Yeah. Go ahead then. Yeah, go <laughs> We will see you across the Annapurnaverse!